God, on the day we celebrate our nation's birth, we place our faith in you. You are the one who gives us freedom. You have endowed us with inalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And may we pursue you with the passion that you first pursued us. As we celebrate our great nation, we remember the sacrifice and turmoil that this country was born out of and that continues to shape us today. We know that you are not done here. We know that we are far from perfect and we know that you have a plan. We pause to remember that you are our God and we are the people of your pasture. Help our country turn toward you. Bring revival to this nation. Give our leaders clear vision and sober minds. Bring peace and justice to our schools and unite us all as brothers and sisters. God, we ask that your kingdom would come and come quickly. May peace and prosperity come to your children living in the land of the free and the home of the brave. Amen. Everybody's awful quiet. So this is a song I've asked Grant to uh, help me with one more time. Uh, this is called Every Hour. A lot of people going through a lot of stuff right now that they need, they need God with you every hour of every day. And uh, this is what this is about. Lord, you know me, and you always will. Oh, you keep me, yeah, you hold me close. Like new mercies in the morning still, you surround me, and all I know is every hour of every day. Oh, I need you, Lord, that will never change. And every moment, and every way. Oh, I need you, Lord, and that will never change. No, that will never change. Your fortress, your hiding place, you're the shelter where I am safe, and you have freed me, and you have called me by name, my redeemer, my saving grace, and every hour of every day. 
begin our service if you would just bow your heads I just want to open this up in a word of prayer and just thank the Lord for his faithfulness to you just take a minute and say God thank you for all that you brought me through and let's thank him together for the blessings of our nation of our freedoms that we've exercised even this morning together Lord thank you for your faithfulness to us and how you have richly poured out your grace and mercy even freedom on us as individuals, but us as a nation. And Lord, help us to celebrate that fact today. And Lord, honor you as we've gathered here to worship. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you so much for joining us here today on uh, Independence Day weekend. Uh, we know a lot of folks are joining us uh, via our live stream. So for those that are at the beach, if you're watching us, have fun. We won't think about it. Hope you uh, have a great week. And for those that are watching at home, thank you for joining us. And for those of you who chose to join us today, thank you for joining us here in the sanctuary. And uh, we're glad that we have this freedom. And we take it for granted so often, don't we? What we do every Sunday morning. And we just need to thank him today. And um, if you're visiting with us before you rush out, please stop by our guest table and pick up a guest bag. has information about our church and also encourage you to fill out the care card that's in your bulletin. Or you can scan the QR code, and uh, we would love to know who you are and answer any questions that you may have if you're visiting with us today. But right now, we're going to ask everyone to stand. And as you're standing, just one quick announcement. You can go ahead and stand. We have Bible school starting in a couple weeks, and we encourage you, if you have a child, grandchild, great-grandchild, a friend or neighbor that has not registered, please take time 
to do that either over in the lobby or online but we would love to know who's going to be serving this year also so if you could see Justin or and uh, we'd like to get you involved but right now take a minute greet your neighbor welcome them to the service put a smile on your face fake it if you have to but welcome one another to the service
you as we come to this time of prayer this morning. We have uh, several families I want to mention. Uh, we, we need to remember Angie Stackleather and her family. Her father uh, passed away this past week, and they had his um, funeral services this past week. Also, Amanda Simpson, uh, her father uh, passed away this past week as well. And the funeral services will be tomorrow at Hidnot Baptist Church. So, Amanda, we love you. Continue to pray for you. Uh, and Elizabeth Walker got a call last night. Her uncle and her dad both died last night. And she's on her way to Maryland uh, now. So if you will remember Elizabeth, her mom, her sisters, and the rest of her family in prayer. And because of that, we're as of right now, our plan is not to have children's church through July. If she, We want to give her time to, uh, to respect her and give her time to grieve but if she comes back and wants to start it back up we'll just we'll let you know okay ahead of time but if you will as a choir leads us in this time of worship if you'll meet me here at the altar let's uh let's lift these families up in prayer and then you can pray for yourself and your family as well so if you'll meet me here at the altar this morning pray with me. Fathers, we come to you in prayer, Lord. I know that we, we bring these requests to you a lot, but Father, we just pray for families who have loved ones that are no longer with us. Father, even though we know that they're in your presence, Lord, death hurts. And Father, uh, you can heal the hurt that comes with death. And Father, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, through your church, through the prayers of brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, Father, you'd bring healing and comfort in ways that only you can. Uh, Father, I pray that you would help us to trust you more in our spiritual lives than we ever have. Father, thank you for this opportunity to worship, not just in person, but online for those who can't be here. Father, I pray that we would never take these times for granted. pray that you continue to bless in the singing. Lord, help me as I speak in just a little while on this such an important topic. And Father, we just want to tell you that we love you. If there's anyone here today that's never placed their faith and trust in you, I pray that through the singing, praying, preaching, Lord, through the Holy Spirit, that you would grant eternal life and salvation. And Father, we'll praise you for what you do, and we'll thank you for what you do. And we love you today, Father, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, choir. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to stand with me and turn to 1 Peter. I've been going through this book for about three months now. We'll be in verse 13 through 17. We're going to be talking about Peter and Nero, a Christian's response to the government. As you're finding your way, Ray Pritchard said this. He said, it's been often said that God only established three institutions, the home, the church, and the state. In so doing, he gave us explicit instructions on how all three were to operate. Most Christians know a great deal about what God has said about the home and the church. We know much less about what God has said about the state and how we should relate to it. So how should the church and how should Christians relate to the government? Oftentimes when I hear preachers preach on Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2, they'll try to equate Rome to America. Their politics to our politics, and it's really not equal, okay? Peter was under, if you see the word Nero, he was an emperor, okay? We have a president. Peter didn't have a constitution. We do. That's the law of the land. Every government official takes an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States of America. Peter didn't have that. Peter couldn't vote, and you can. Peter couldn't serve in Roman government, but you can serve in American government. So everything that applied to Rome does not apply to us. Okay, but a lot of it does. Notice what Peter says in verse 13. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Paul says the same thing in Romans 13. For the Lord's sake, that's who you're doing it for. Whether to the king as supreme, now we don't have a king, we have a president, or to governors as to those who are sent by him. Now notice what the government is to do for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. Now, we're blessed with our government. Peter wasn't so blessed with his government. Okay, For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free. Now, notice how Peter talked about himself. He's talking about he's free spiritually, but also at that point, he was free. He would eventually be put in jail for his faith, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God, honor all people, Love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Okay, let's pray together. Father, as we come to you in prayer, Lord, it's real easy for all of us to complain about the government, and that is our right as Americans. Lord, it is also our right to vote. It's our right to serve. I want to thank you for the men and women who serve and, uh, Lord, all of these positions. Lord, thank you for the freedoms that we have. No other country on the planet has the freedoms that we do. And Lord, in all of our complaining, and we all do it, we're so blessed. Lord, there's never been a nation like America. And I pray that we'd not take you for granted, our faith for granted, and Lord, abuse these freedoms that we have. And Lord, help us all to be good citizens. Lord, there'll be some of us here this morning who will serve locally, maybe even on a state level in government. Lord, there'll be others of us who will just encourage those who do. So Father, thank you for your word. Lord, help us to uh, always put the main thing, the main thing here at East Hills, and that's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we're not called to save America as great as the country is. We are called to save Americans. And Father, that is our primary focus, is to share the gospel and to be good citizens and to live peaceably with all men as best we can. And Father, we just want to thank you once again. And we want to tell you that we love you. In Jesus' name I pray and all of God's people said together, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If I say the word Democrat, what comes to your mind? Some of you are like, man. Or if I say the word Republican, 
What comes to your mind? Okay, somebody will all know. Here we go. Okay, think about Democrats and Republicans. Independents, y'all don't count. Okay, you, you, you never got anybody in office. But think about Democrats and Republicans. Okay, now I want you to see the word Nero. Now this is what Peter and Paul lived under. Nero was a, I think he was the third Caesar. I could be wrong. Okay, I'm trying to go back on my struggle of education. But he was, I think he went into power when he was 16. Think about that. Became a very wicked man. Very wicked. You, I won't tell you what he did. You can, you can Google it. You can go to Wikipedia. You know, Wikipedia is about 75% right. Okay? Very wicked man. He hated, now listen to this, Christians. He started a fire in Rome. Most scholars believe this is true. And he blamed the Christians. Eventually, Nero under his authority, killed Peter. Scholars say he was crucified upside down. That's why you have the upside down cross. See, the upside down cross is not satanic. They've made it satanic. That's how Peter died. Okay, And he also had Paul beheaded. And Peter says, in the midst of that, notice point one, when it comes to government, if you'll notice point one here on the screen, you're to submit to the government. Notice what he says, therefore, that therefore goes back to the fact that we're to be good citizens. okay. That's why you fight fleshly lust, he says in the verses preceding. is not only for yourself and the benefit of yourself and your conscience, you know, and your conscience, but also because of your neighbors. Not just your Christian neighbors, but your lost neighbors. All right? You fight those fleshly lusts to win the battle with yourself, but also to be a good citizen. When it comes to serving under a government, okay, you're to submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. You're doing it for the Lord. Peter had a lot harder time than you do. We're really blessed. I mean, really, how much influence does the President of the United States have over your life? Is he going to mow your grass? He's not, is he? Is he going to make you a sandwich? He's not, is he? I mean, how much influence does the President of the United States of America really have over your life? A little bit. All right, it's important. I'm not saying it's not. Nero had a lot of influence over Peter's life and how Peter could speak publicly, where Peter could walk. As a matter of fact, Nero could make Peter do anything he wanted to. And then Peter tells his Christian readers to submit to that authority. And the word submission means this, that you line up under. If you've been in the military, there's ranks, right? In government, there's ranks, there are laws. And what Peter says, as best you can to submit to those laws. Alright? As best you can. Submission never means to obey. Aren't you thankful wives? Wives submit to your husbands. Doesn't mean obey. Uh, the first wedding I ever officiated, the lady looked at me during premarital counseling and says, you, you better not say trust and obey. And I said, I don't think those vows are even, even biblical, to be honest with you. So we don't say that, do we? The word submission means I'm persuaded I'm persuaded to do this, to line up under. Think about this. All authority is established by God. That's what Peter's saying. That's what Paul said. The government has been established by God. Even leaders, now aren't you thankful you, get a, you have the chance to vote, right? My grandfather fought in World War II, and he says, Son, I don't care if it is a big election or a small election. I fought for your right to vote, and you're going to vote. He took me to register. Okay? He took me when I was 18 to register. And my grandpa said this, I don't care how you vote, but you're registering a Democrat. So that's what I did, because okay? he told me to. All right? 
So think about this. You have a right to vote. Peter didn't have a right to vote. But all authority, even through your vote, is established by God. Now, we're not immature Christians here, right? God is sovereign, is He not? God lets you have your way. God let the nation of Israel choose Saul. He let them. But that's still a part of His sovereign plan. All authority is established by God. Notice some of these people in the past. Notice Pharaoh. Listen to what the Bible says about Pharaoh in Romans 9, 17. They think that when Moses was here, that Ramses II was the Pharaoh. Probably some of the smartest people to ever live are the Egyptians. If you notice their, um, the structures that they built, the boats that they built, um, Egyptian hieroglyphics, all those things. Pro- Moses was probably one of the smartest men. I've said this before. If you took Moses in his day, put him in America today with all the technology and the, and the access to knowledge that we have, he'd be one of the smartest people on the planet. If you took the smartest guy on the planet today and put him back in Egyptian times, he'd probably be top thousand, maybe. These people are super smart. All right? And God said this, the, the Jews were enslaved for 400 years. And notice what Paul says. For Scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up. Who did that? Thank you. Yeah, he did. God did. I raised you up for this purpose that I might display my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So what God is telling Ramses II, who we think was fair at the time, you're here because I allowed you to be here. Notice the next one, Nebuchadnezzar. The, the Babylonian kingdom, you can, you can search it. it. It's amazing, the, the hanging gardens and all those things. God says this through Daniel. The Most High, this is what Nebuchadnezzar says. The Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms on the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. That's what Nebuchadnezzar says. See, in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar said, Look at all that I built with my hands. Look at all that I built with my hands. God told the, the Israelites that the Babylonians are coming to take you cap- captive for 70 years, and they did. And after Nebuchadnezzar conquered that nation, the Jews, he brought Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all of them into Babylon. He was walking among his castle and said, look at all I've done. And then he had a dream. And in that dream, God basically said, I am the Lord God, you're a little boy. Daniel interpreted that dream, and then Nebuchadnezzar says this, the Most High is sovereign over all the kingdoms on the earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. See, Nebuchadnezzar was humbled whenever he understood that the Lord God is sovereign and you have no kingdom outside of me. What about Cyrus, who overtook the Babylonians? King Cyrus the Great. This is what the Lord says to his anointed to Cyrus. Think about that for a moment. God says, Cyrus, I've raised you up, whose right hand I take hold of to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him. God says that about Cyrus. Even wicked kings God uses for his purpose. He is El Elyon, the sovereign, the most high God over all the earth. Think about that for a moment. All authority, all authority is established by God. One, one uh, scholar says this, Every government that exists is held in the palm of God's hand. It can only go as far as God wills. It is under his control. It has been instituted by him. God instituted the system of human government immediately after the great flood when he decreed in Genesis 9, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. That is a government declaration. 
That decree gave authority to men to judge criminal matters and to punish offenders. Paul says that human government is ordained by God for the benefit of society in whatever of the many forms that exist, civil authority derives directly from God like marriage. It is a universal institution of God. Notice Pilate, whenever Jesus stood before him, then said unto him, Are you not speaking to me? Pilate says that to Jesus. Are you speaking to me? He says, can you imagine him speaking to Jesus that way? Do you not know I have power to crucify you and power to release you? Do you not know? Do you not know Jesus, Son of God, King of kings, Lord of lords? Do you not know? And then Jesus said this, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. All authority established by God. All of it. Okay? God is sovereign. If your God is not sovereign, you're going to struggle the rest of your life with anything that comes in your life. God is sovereign. And you still have the freedom to vote. Isn't that a blessing? God can work through our bad decisions and God can work through our good decisions. But ultimately, God is sovereign. God is not wringing His hands over the nation of Israel or America or the Middle East. God has a sovereign plan and it's going to happen. All, uh, Solomon put it this way. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord like the rivers of water. He turns it wherever he wishes. Okay? And what does the Bible say you're to do with this authority? You're to submit. 38 times in the New Testament, the Bible talks about submission. Demons, it says, submit to Jesus. Wives to husbands. Children to parents. Christians to church leaders. That's what it says. Us to each other. And everyone to government. To oppose the authority established by God is to bring judgment on yourself. We have missionaries in China today who are living under something like Peter was. You can't say the word Bible. They, they, they bug your apartment. I've talked to them. You can't say the word Bible, you say book. You can't say the word church, you say club. Because that's what their leadership says. And you can fight that and be punished, or you can work with it. They have an underground church in China, which is illegal. Aren't you thankful? Are they submitting to the government? Most of the time. Most of the time they do. Paul is saying if we resist the government, we resist God to a point. But Paul is not teaching blind devotion to the state, regardless of what it commands. That's why you have in these, um, that's why you have in North Korea. Could you imagine living there? If you went to North Korea for a week, you'd never complain about America again, I'm sure. Think about that, but there's, the church is growing in North Korea. Some of my Christian friends ask me, as Christians, aren't we supposed to obey the government? Isn't that what Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 says? No, it doesn't. Scripture nowhere set teaches that Christians are to obey them. We're called to respect them and to submit. Submission does not mean obedience. It means to line up under. Listen to this. It literally means to arrange stuff respectfully in an orderly manner underneath. Submission means I am respectful to those that God places in my life, voluntarily yielding to them when I am persuaded by their arguments. Husbands, you want a submissive wife? Love her like Christ loved the church. All right? Government, you want the people to follow you? Then, then love them like Christ loved the church. Submission does not mean obedience. Listen, respectful dissent and the willingness to pay the price is submission. For a Christian to submit while disobeying government authorities means that the Christian is respectful and civil but unconvinced of the morality of the action demanded and is willing to pay the price for dissent. Peter died in prison. Dissent. 
Paul died in prison. Dissent. Is civil disobedience ever okay? Now listen, you do realize that the church in Germany used Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 to okay Hitler's actions because he was in authority. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer was hung because he tried to have Hitler assassinated. Submission. Okay. How do you decide when to obey and when not to obey? Notice on the screen. When the government forbids what God commands. If they forbid what God commands, you have the right to have civil dissent. Okay, when, when um, COVID hit, um, governors would order lockdowns and would say churches can't meet. Okay, California was the big one. You can't meet. Governor said so. First Amendment says you can't say that. Constitution over, overrides a governor or a president. Every elected official takes an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Okay? So when they ordered lockdowns with churches in California, okay, churches okay, we'll meet outside. We met in the parking lot for 12 weeks, didn't we? Okay? Trying to be good, good people. All right? Churches in California, they had rights. Not rights, but they had protests that turned into rights. Hundreds of thousands of people. And then you know what the government, government said? And, and scientists and doctors, well, you can't get COVID at a protest. Is that not crazy? Is that not crazy? And you know what the church has said? Well, if 100,000 people can get on Main Street, we can meet in our church and social distance and wear a mask. And the churches did it. The government sued them, and guess who won? Churches. Why? Because you have the First Amendment, which says the government can't do anything to the church. You have a right to do what you want to. Okay? So when it comes to if this ever happens again, We'll decide what's best for us because we have a constitution of the United States of America. Regardless of who the governor is, regardless of who the president is, regardless of who the sheriff is, right? We'll do what's best for us. You have three ways to come to church, parking lot, watch it online, or be here in person. You're an adult, make up your own mind. But we will not lock these doors again as long as I'm your pastor. I'm not going to do it, okay? Listen, when government forbids what God commands, if the government came, you know in China... Now, I've been with Chinese missionaries in the Philippines that the government in China, and they have churches, can tell the preachers what to preach. You know, in Canada, they're telling you what you can't preach. They don't tell me what to preach. They can't. If, if, if a law is passed and they say that you cannot preach the gospel, we're going to preach the gospel. Okay? And then just deal with it. When government commands what God forbids, you have a right. You submit under that authority. You take what comes your way. You be respectful about it, but you have the right to disobey. When government commands what isn't theirs to command, which happens sometimes. Think we live in America. We have good checks and balances. You have a house. You have a Senate. You have, you have a president. All these things come into play, okay? But in the, in the Bible, you, you oftentimes see this uh, fight between government and the church. Notice what the Bible says in Moses' day. If you'll show this. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of, England, king of Egypt I'm sorry, had commanded them, but let the boys live. Kill all the boys after they're born. Is, not, is that not horrific, depraved, and satanic? And the midwife says, we're not going to do that. And Moses came from that. Aren't you thankful? Notice in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, 
Now, he was the most powerful man on the planet. His word was law. He didn't have a constitution. They didn't have Babylonian laws. They had his word. He says, we have no need to answer you in this matter. It is, if that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the God, the gold image which you have set up. And that was their testimony. Nebuchadnezzar set up a gold image, said everybody must worship it and fall down when the musicians playing. He said, we can't do that. We serve the Lord. We can't do that. He says, well, you're going to burn in a fiery furnace. He said, that's fine. We'll die this way, but we're not going to do that. He says, but understand that God can deliver us. Daniel was in the lion's den. Why? Because he disobeyed the government order about praying. Okay? So you submit most of the time. Thankfully, we don't have to worry about that too much here in America, that we have a good government system, and you can vote. All right? Notice number two, respect your government and serve. Notice what Paul says. The government is there in, in his day, sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. One scholar said we should be model citizens of whatever country we belong to, praying for our leaders, acting as salt and light, shining in the darkness and creating a thirst for God. For Daniel, two kings, two kings bowed their heads to the glory of Israel's God because of his service in the government. Three administrations were deeply influenced by Daniel's character. As a matter of fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 13, rulers are not a terror to, to good conduct, but to bad is how they're set up. Governments are to preserve what is right. This is much better than the situation described in the very last verse of the book of Judges, which said, in those days Israel had no king, no government, and everyone did as he saw fit. And what God is telling Peter is this, even though Nero is not the best leader, it's still better than no leader. You have some semblance of government. A tidal wave of evil would crash over the world if there was no civil authorities restraining rebellion. Governments there, Peter says, are to punish wrongdoers. We don't use the phrase to bear the sword today, but it basically means that the government has the right to severely punish those who do wrong. Government is ordained by God for the protection and preservation of societal order, for social order, and for the punishment of those who do evil. Aren't you thankful for your police? Aren't you thankful for your sheriff's department? Aren't you thankful for EMS? Aren't you thankful for our military? Those are, as, as Paul says in Romans 13, God's servants. That word servant is the same word used as deacons. And I would say this, you as a Christian, if God has made you that way, should serve in public office. Think about this. St. Augustine, the early church theologian from the 4th century, wrote that believers who serve in governmental positions are, and I quote, blessings bestowed upon mankind. Daniel served as an advisor to the kings of Babylon and Medo-Persia. Joseph was a governor, second only to Pharaoh. And one uh, preacher put it this way, while the mission of the church is spiritual and the gospel message is our primary message, God happens to call men and women into spheres of influence where they carry their biblically informed conscience and their character and their biblical wisdom and skill so that they spread their influence in the worlds of law, business, finance, labor, education, medicine, industry, construction, agriculture, and on and on, even into the world of politics and government. Our nation has been shaped by people who were Christians who served. Think about this. The influence of Christians have had on governments and cultures throughout time. Because of Christians' influence in the government, 
they stopped the practice of human sacrifice among the Irish and the Prussians. Isn't that good? These people were sacrificing humans. They argued and eventually outlawed pedophilia, which is making a comeback in America. Minor attracted people is just pedophilia. That's all it is. Christians primarily were the reason behind the granting of property rights and other protections for women. In 1829, that's not been that far, far along, that far back, they prohibited, they prohibited the burning alive of widows in India. Isn't that a blessing? Right? William Wilberforce gathered weekly with a group of wealthy and influential believers, and they strategically developed plans and methods to bring their Christian conscience to bear within their culture, and they not only success, successfully ended slave trading by 1840 throughout the Great Britain, but they also they organized the Society for the Education of Africans, the Society for Bettering the Conditions of the Poor, the Society for the Relief of Debtors, and they saw a release of 14,000 debtors over a five-year period. They also established hospitals for the poor and the blind. They helped war widows and veterans in need of medical and psychiatric help. As a matter of fact, when uh, William Wilberforce thought, he, he had this conflict between the political realm and his spiritual realm. He says, i got to quit politics to serve in the church and serve for the church. John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, said this, wrote him a letter and said, Stay at your post and do not give up the work for you have been placed there by God for such a time as this. Aren't you thankful for men and women that serve in the government and allow their Christian conscience to play a part in laws that are passed? Aren't you thankful for that? You should be thankful for that. And the last thing is this, is to pray and be thankful not only for your country, but also for your government. I'll start by saying this. Don't place your trust in politics. Okay? Don't place your trust in politics. All right? Democrats, you're in charge now. In an election or two, you won't be. It's the way it's always been, is it not? It's just Republicans, Democrats, Republicans, Democrats, Republicans, Democrats. And there again, independents, y'all are a bunch of losers. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, don't, don't place your trust in politics. The hope for Washington, D.C. in our culture is the same for the person who works in the cubicle next to you, and that is Jesus. That's what matters, right? That's what matters. Jesus is all that matters. Some people get their doctrine from their political party. Republicans and Democrats are bad theologians. They really are bad, bad theologians. Our relationship to the society is not to reform it, but to redeem it, one person at a time. Listen, God is the sovereign ruler of the nations. God has never been elected. He's not up for re-election anytime soon. We who are citizens of the kingdom of heaven belong to a royal family of the coming king. The state does not have the equipment to bring about lasting change. Only the gospel delivers a new nature. Listen, in 2020, in November, we had the largest natural disaster in Alexander County history. Six people died. 21 families were misplaced. And you know who, who helped those families? It wasn't the government. It were the local churches of Alexander County. Working with families for six months. There, there's a flood in another part of the state right now where the government is trying to handle that, and they're not doing a good job. They're just not. There are things that the church can do that the government can't do. And you should do it. But when you partner with the government, it just works. Baptist Children's Home partners with the government. It's so blessed. Listen, when Paul went to Corinth, which was the Las Vegas of the ancient world, okay, Paul did not start a political revolution. He preached the gospel. People were saved and then change came. 
Politics didn't change those people, but the gospel did. Have we forgotten that policemen, a policeman can go to hell as quickly as a prostitute? An upsetting judge as much is as much condemned as criminals that he sends to jail. With all her faults, though, America is still the greatest place on earth to live. Is it not? You're so blessed to live in America. Think about our blessings, our government. We have the greatest government on earth. I've been to Haiti and I've been to the Philippines. There's no, there's no comparison to living in America, regardless of what party's in, in charge. Democrats, Republican, Independents, Libertarian, this is the best in the world. Just go somewhere else and live for a little while. Go somewhere else and live for a little while, and you'll see how blessed we are to live in America. Think about our freedoms. The greatness of America is our freedoms. We're the freest people on the planet because of our government and our military. Think about our military. Our military literally protects the world. Don't you feel safe? You know who's going to invade America? Nobody. It's not going to happen. Nobody's going to invade America. It's just not going to happen because of our military and because of the Second Amendment. Just being honest with you. Nobody's going to invade America. Our nation is benevolent. Look up foreign aid and military aid and, and think about this. Nobody gives more than America. If there was an earthquake in Iran, America would be there to aid. If there's an earthquake in America, Iran's not coming to our aid. It's just not. The nations that hate us don't really give to us. We give to everybody. Okay, Think about that for a moment. We have religious freedom, and I believe this is why God in His sovereign plan started America. Psalm 9, 17, David said this, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. That word forget is personal. Okay, This is a warning for our country and our church. This applies to America. Think about England. All those nations that bowed to the God of the Bible at one time. Look at England. It's one-fifth of what it was in the past. England will never be what it was before. England has placed God on the back burner. God told Israel. Now, he had a covenant with Israel. He don't have a covenant with America. He has a covenant with a church. But he said this. He said, I have a covenant with you. And if you do not obey me, I'll give you over to other nations. In Deuteronomy 28, he said this. If you're not careful to observe all the words of this law, which are written in this book, to fear this honored and awesome name, the Lord your God. He shall come about as the Lord, listen to this, says, He delighted to bless you and multiply you, so the Lord will delight over you to make you perish and to destroy you. If you meet the conditions, God will be delighted to bless you. If you don't, He'll be equally delighted to curse you. Psalm 81, 11 and 12, the psalmist says this, God's speaking through the psalmist, But my people did not listen to my voice, and Israel did not obey me, obey me, so I gave them over to the stubbornness of their heart and to their own devices. Jesus said to the religious leaders of his day, Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing fruits of it. America has enjoyed the signature blessings of the Lord, and God has blessed America, and I hope America will always put God first. But ultimately, God has a covenant with his church. And when I look at the state of America, I look at the state of the church. And, and the state of the church, for the most part, is looking not real good. But I don't worry about those churches. I worry about ours. We're to always to put God first, to put Jesus first, to put the gospel first. And if God has equipped you to serve in government, do it. But don't put your Christian faith on the back burner. You don't have to. Aren't you thankful that you live in America? I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you will, as our musicians come. Our invitation is not a come forward invitation this morning. 
I'm going to ask you, if you will, just to bow your heads and to close your eyes just for a moment. And let's just thank the Lord for how He has blessed our country. If you would, just take just a moment and thank God for the blessing of America. With all our faults, we're still the greatest nation on the planet. So just take a moment as our musicians play and just thank the Lord for where you live. Thank God for America. Thank you for North Carolina. Thank you for Alexander County. Lord, you've put us in comfortable, blessed places. Father, I think about the church worldwide and how Christians are suffering, persecuted, have no rights or freedoms. And Lord, you've blessed us. And I pray that we would not take those for granted. I'm going to encourage you now to pray for your leaders. Pray for the president. Pray for your governor. Pray for the House and the Senate nationally and locally. I'd encourage you to pray for your county commissioners, school board. Pray for your sheriff. Then ultimately pray for the church in America. Pray that we would repent of idolatry, perversion, greed, blasphemy, sexual immorality, and put God first. Put the Lord Jesus Christ first. Father, as, you, as we come to you in prayer, it's real easy to complain and to gripe. That's our right. Father, it's another thing to be thankful and to serve. Father, I want to thank you for all the men and women who make up this government in America with all our flaws. We're still the most blessed place on the planet. And I, I firmly believe it's because in you we trust. And Father, I pray for our church, that Lord, would always put you first, would stand under the Bible, not over it. That Lord, politics would never divide, but bring us together. And Lord, that we would be a, a group of people that would do good for your honor and for your glory. Lord, the most important thing for any person is the gospel. There's one gospel. There's one Lord, there's one Savior, there's one King, and that's Jesus. And Lord, we belong to a kingdom. And Lord, we're part of the church universal. And Lord, I pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that live in other countries that don't have the freedoms and the blessings that we do. Father, there's more persecution of Christians going on now than any time in history. And Father, you've placed us in good, comfortable places. Help us to always to support those brothers and sisters in Christ that are really serving under an oppressive government. Lord, we're not. And Lord, I want to thank you for our men and women who serve in the military. Lord, bless and help them. I pray for their families as they're away. Lord, I can't imagine what it would be like to see a son or daughter go overseas or a husband or a wife go overseas. But Lord, you help them and we'll thank you and praise you for it. Lord, the hope of the world is Jesus Christ. And I pray that we'd always proclaim you and put you first regardless of what anybody thinks about it or what any law says. Lord, help us to put you first, Father, and we'll thank you and praise you for it. And Father, we love you today, and all of God's people said together, amen. God bless you. I hope you have a great Sunday. We do not have church Wednesday. Does Justin have an announcement? Justin has an announcement. Hold on a second. Welcome to summertime. I'll be here after every service throughout the rest of the summer to remind you of something. Um, I talked to Adam and Elizabeth last night. Y'all continue to pray for them. Uh, she wanted us to continue on with our regularly scheduled things, so... 
uh, this afternoon uh, at the Seniors, which is my house. Um, kindergarten, first and second grade, you and your parents are welcome to come to the house and swim this afternoon from 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock. We'll have watermelon and some ice cream. Uh, it's just like the beach, except there's no sand, lots of shade, and a bathroom right beside the pool, so it's even better. Uh, so kindergarten, first and second grade, and your parents, uh, 2 to 5 today at the house. If you need our address, uh, my phone number's in the bulletin. Shoot me a message, and I'll send it to you. But uh, we'll see you this afternoon. Thank you. God bless you.